Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet. Each week, I'll be bringing you stories of people living lives of fruitful service, of peace, community, compassion, creative action, and progressive efforts. I'll be tracing the spiritual roots that support and nourish them in their service, hoping to inspire and encourage you to sink deep roots and produce sacred fruit in your own life. Today for Spirit in Action, we'll again be looking at how we care for creation. I use that phrase, care for creation, rather than environmentalism, because it treats us as part of the whole, while environmental implies implicitly that we are separate from the environment, the things that surround us. Over the past few weeks, I visited with Sam Thayer, wild foods foraging expert and author, Jim Backus, wildlife photographer and author, and with David Abaz, an off-the-grid, back-to-the-lander, teacher, experimenter, and the organizer of a 500-mile expedition down the Mississippi called Paddle for the Planet. And today we're going to look at another aspect of care for creation. We'll be talking with folks involved with the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire's Environmental Public Health Program, ENPH. We'll talk with two seniors in the ENPH major, Caleb Johnson and Patrick Blucker. But first, we'll talk with the head of the ENPH program, Crispin Pierce. We'll talk to Crispin, then Caleb and Patrick, about the training and work involved in the environmental public health program and their motivations and aspirations for this work, how they function professionally as spirit in action. Over the next hour, we'll welcome all three of them into the Northern Spirit Radio Studios.
That was Crispin Pierce, Associate Professor and Director of the Environmental Public Health Program at the University of Wisconsin, Eau Claire. This is Spirit in Action, and I'm your host, Mark Helpsmeet of Northern Spirit Radio, website northernspiritradio.org, where all of our programs plus more information and links are available. Plus, you could, if you're willing, leave us comments there. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. Our home station is WHYS LP Eau Claire, Wisconsin, but we're syndicated across the country and even reaching beyond. Right now, we're going to talk with two seniors in the ENPH major, Caleb Johnson and Patrick Blecker, and get Caleb's and Pat's take on care for creation and the environmental public health program at UWEC. Thanks, Caleb, for joining me for Spirit in Action. It's great to be here, Mark. Thanks for having us. And you too, Pat. Thanks for joining me for Spirit in Action. Not a problem. Glad to be here. You're both seniors at University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire in the ENPH specialty. Why did you go into that? I've been speaking with your instructor, Crispin Pierce, or one of your instructors. He's given me some background on you, but I'm interested in knowing what got you going into this program. You want to start out, Caleb? Yeah, absolutely. When I initially came to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, I was enrolled as a psychology major. Some things about the major program in psychology were just not fitting with me. It seemed a little bit more research-based, drier than I was looking for for a career field. And during my second semester of freshman year, while I was taking a social work class in the building, there was an environmental and public health poster on the wall that caught my eye, and I enrolled in Dr. Pierce's intro to environmental and public health class, the 210, and just loved what I heard about the manipulations that humans can have on the environment for positive or negative, and also the reciprocating environmental effects that take place on humans as well. So it's just a really immediate field to people because... You're involved with your environment every day. You need clean water. You need a sound home. You need all these things every day and almost take them for granted. And they're such a major role. And so providing those to people is a really great study opportunity for me. You mean, Caleb, that you didn't start out as an environmentalist, tree hugger? Did you have a background that connected you to environmentalism? Not specifically, no. My mom is a educator of special education, and then she got her administration degree and is now a assistant principal. And my dad is a child protection social worker, and so I've I've always had a civil service type background growing up. That helping people feeling has been around me my whole life because of the nature of my parents' work and nurturing home, but. I quickly became aware that the focus of their careers is what made them so apt to be loving and supportive in that way. And I just really was driven towards some sort of field that would assist people. And so through taking the intro to ENPH course, I was able to see that this program allows the same amount, although in a different way, if not a greater amount of opportunities to help people and aid the public in a civil service sort of manner that's so familiar to me. And I'm just able to fall into that role real easy, I think. Pat, what got you into it? Uh, What's your background? What led you into the EMPH major? Okay, when I first came in Eau Claire, I was undeclared major, and I started out taking some chemistry courses and science courses, and I really liked that, so I, I declared a chemistry major for the first year or so, and after going through some of the lab work and seeing what kind of careers were out there for that, it didn't seem to 
fulfill what I wanted out of a job and what I wanted to do with my life. And I came across an email that said, well, if you enjoy science and want to use your knowledge of science to try and help the public and help people, check out this program. So I took the, the intro to the EMPH program course. I liked it and decided to declare the major. And since then, it's enabled me to you know, really find out the opportunities that are out there to get more fulfillment out of my, my life and my career. I don't to me, it's not just about making a bunch of money and having a nice house and car. It's more about what can I do to help other people in the community around me and in the world and try and make it more, you know, a better place for future generations. Because the reality of it is, if we don't work to try and protect some of the things that we have, they're not going to be around. And then, you know, our children's children are going to suffer and they might not have the opportunities that we have. Did you have a background or a connection with environmentalism specifically, Pat? I grew up in a a real rural area in Wisconsin. My hometown had a 189 people in it, so it was a real small village, and I grew up spending a lot of time out in the woods, you know, in nature, doing a lot of hunting, fishing, camping, and just spending time outdoors. And that was real important for me. You know, that was a way of life. And to ensure that that way of life is still possible, we need to make sure that we take care of the resources that we have and understand that there's more to it than just trying to develop the entire world, but to also preserve some of that natural world as well and kind of coincide with it. When I was speaking with Crispin, he told me that there's a whole range of job opportunities related to EMPH. Some of them are working with the industries themselves because they have to be concerned about how their food or their products impact people, and they've got to build that into the system. You might end up working with OSHA, or you might end up working with the Department of Health and Human Services, anything. There's all kinds of possibilities. Where are you two targeted? Do you have a preference, desire? Is there a specific goal that you have about where you'd like to work? Caleb? I've um, been leaning more towards working uh, as a regulator or on the government side. And I suppose if uh, if you've talked to Crispin, he's maybe referred to it as wearing the white cap or being the regulator. He talks about often in classes wearing white caps and black caps. White cap is sort of the public perception that you're doing good. Black cap is maybe that you're working more towards a corporate goal or a financially based goal. And so I've worked in a grocery store for the last four or five years, and I've worked with a whole range of employees from baggers and custodial staff to the management and then all the way to the corporate heads who work just over in Edina. And so we would have frequent visits from these corporate heads. And I would also go and bring cafeteria lunch to them for a summer every day. And so I got to know a lot of these corporate people who were running the company as well. And so I, I got to see the whole range of the company that kind of disinterested me or caused me to uh, fall out of love with working in the corporate field. Um, I felt more that regulation and keeping up with codes and things like that is more of what I would like to focus on. I did an internship with Hennepin County as a pool inspector and inspected some lodging facilities and food facilities as well. And during that time, I really enjoyed working with the operators to correct some of the issues that they've had, as well as keeping the public safe with chlorine levels of pools and things like that. There's different environmental hazards that the public's completely unaware of in a lot of circumstances. And you feel very proud knowing that you're the one in between that environmental hazard and them and being able to prevent that exposure to that environmental hazard is a real rewarding thing. And what about you, Pat? Uh, where are you headed? Where do you? Where would you like to be headed, perhaps? I guess, I don't know, I, I feel like there's so many 
different doorways to step through with this field and this career. I think there's a lot of opportunity both on global levels as well as domestically, you know, working within our government, but also working with people of other countries and trying to get out because, you know, in reality, the environment here and the choices we make affect people on the other side of the planet. And the more we become aware of this and realize that there's a need for sustainable practices and kind of an awareness of the, the policies and the actions we take and their effect on other people. And I think that by encouraging a more sensible sort of growth or a more smart growth, I think we can figure out a way to try and be a little more sustainable with our practices. And right now, you know, it seems like there's a lot of consumption going on and the resources are starting to dwindle. And if we keep up at the rate we're going, you know, we might not be able to support the life that we know or the lifestyles that we have. So I guess I would like to work with trying to get in and maybe help design some of these policies and help get that voice at the table that says we have to be aware that the decisions we make not only affect the health of the environment, but they directly affect the health of the people that live within it. And in order to try and sustain a better society that will incorporate and be conducive to health of people, we have to try and work to make sure we're more mindful of the decisions we make. Perhaps seeing what you've seen, you're not so opposed to government regulation. There's been a significant movement that says we've got to downsize government, get government off our backs. It doesn't sound to me like, Caleb, you're thinking that getting government off our backs is like government's got a really vital role. What about you, Pat? How do you see? Does government belong in here? Does the U.N., does the U.S. federal government, state? Uh, what level is appropriate to deal with these things? To me, it seems that both stakeholders, the, the private industry and the government, have to sit down together and figure these things out because obviously there's a disconnect between things. And, you know, all of these different corporate industries of the private sector always, always said, you know, we want less government, more of a laissez-faire government, stay off our back. But if you look what happened to some of these industries when they started going under, they came to the government for help. You know, in time of need, they wanted the taxpayer dollar and the bailouts but then in times of prosper, they don't want any government action. So I think that's kind of two-sided. I believe there's got to be more cooperation between the two to try and come to something that's better for the wealth and the health of the entire nation. You're both seniors in the environmental public health major. Have you had any specifically stunning moments, things where you learned and you said, wow, my mind is open, changed, I had no idea that this was out there. Some aspect of the world or the way that we interact with the world where you really felt like this intellectual awakening really changed things for you. Caleb, you got some comments? I guess I would phrase it in the sense that it's sort of been at the end of my education here at Eau Claire. It's kind of been a culmination of a connection of all the dots here. I suppose all these courses could be looked at as dots drawing a bigger picture of some sort. I think that's what's really happened for me in these last few years of school, junior and senior year. I've really begun drawing the lines between these dots of classes and connecting demography biology and ecology and communications and all these different fields that seemingly are unrelated on the surface, when you break them down, you essentially see a lot of connections between social science classes and hard science classes and the need for cooperation between all these different facets of your education to be able to truly understand global issues and in-depth critical thinking. So... It hasn't been one class as so much as the understanding, the connections between all the classes now at this point. I guess I would like to also outline one class specifically that kind of combines two different fields is um, environmental economics or 
the economy of the environment taught by Eric Jamelski, an avid environmentalist in the area of Eau Claire here. He um, really brings together the understanding of how humans impact the environment and what that impact has on humans in terms of economic growth. I'm really taking a step back and looking at the economy with the environment incorporated into it rather than how it's um, kind of traditionally been seen as the economy and then the environment as an additional sidekick. I've had experiences in the world that taught me to think differently about how we are really impacting one another, the world impacting us and we are impacting the world. I had heard long ago about the ozone hole that was over Antarctica and how that was growing because of stuff we're doing on the Earth. It didn't really strike me that that was a really big deal until I went to New Zealand. And when I was there at the beach, you'd see people dressed up like they did in the 1920s in this country with long sleeve tops and bottoms. And on the news each day, where we'd hear wind chill or that kind of thing, they'd have the burn time. And it would be anywhere from 30 minutes down to 7 minutes before you'd get a sunburn because of the amount of ultraviolet rays that are coming through. So have there been bits of knowledge like that that have hit you that you just went, wow, the world is a different place than I thought it was? I did a semester in Costa Rica and living down there and seeing the differences but then the similarities as well between their way of life and ours. You know, it's really opened my eyes to see that there is a lot more at stake than just what might be out your back door. It's what's across the pond as well, so they say. What do you think, Caleb? Yeah, a project that I did for one of our ENPH classes that took a look at something similar to that was looking at the electronic waste produced in the United States and how that gets treated in a lot of Asian, South and Central Asian countries like India and China. And some of these less wealthy countries are taking our waste and breaking it down to its raw elements in an unregulated, unsupervised fashion. And what's been the result is trash villages, essentially, electronic waste computer shells and tv boxes and things like that stacked you know 15 feet high and people walking through them like trenches in world war one and two and acid baths to remove some of these heavy metals and things like that in the electronic components and the acids just dumped directly into the river that is served as the village's water source because this is a niche they've found that they can make some money off of the raw materials but in the long term they're health costs and other effects of this improper disposal of these wastes and processing of these wastes is causing enormous issues economically and health-wise for these people and will continue to do so for many years because of our irresponsible disposal of the waste or someone trying to make a profit by having it disposed of in a cheaper fashion by exporting it over there. And so that's a real complex thing to think about. How has learning these kind of things changed you? And I'm talking about the internal values. I think you were just commenting on this too, Pat. You were talking about how you got changed when you got this other view of the world. Of course, this program is Spirit in Action, and I'm interested in the linkages about the ways that we see and experience the world within the spiritual blueprint that we're looking at for the world and how that motivates and supports us in healing the world. There's a lot of healing to be done, and whether it's in those villages over in Asia or whether it's down in Costa Rica. And How have either of you been changed, Pat or Caleb? I feel that just from learning more and more, you know, and educating myself as well as being educated, you kind of start to develop a sense of awareness and more mindfulness about your own actions and also the actions of other people and how that affects the greater picture. 
In reality, a lot of these, you talked about healing, a lot of the ways we do that now is a quick fix, a band-aid, or a way to just kind of solve the problem for a little bit or cover it up or push it off to the side. There's been a disconnect for such a long period of time that's almost ingrained into us to separate ourselves from a problem. The more I learned about public health and environmental health is that it's based in prevention and trying to get to the root of these problems and attack the cause versus trying to just solve it on the downstream end. I think that the more people are aware of the problems that are out there and become more mindful of situations of others around them and in the world, the more they can make a choice that would hopefully be a better alternative. You know, instead of having things shipped from the other side of the planet so we can have them in our living rooms, maybe maybe it's time we need to start focusing on how can we either get by without that or maybe get by with a product that was produced more locally. Those are ways that people in general could be changing and, you know, that the world could improve for the better. Have you made any specific changes yourself? I mean, did you decide to eat local? Did you decide not to use the uh, hairspray that was destroying the ozone level? I mean, I don't know. What's happened for you? I guess I try and just live a little more consciously of what I'm doing. I Instead of, you know, getting in the car and driving, maybe take the bicycle or walk, you know, to save a little bit of gas. And, it you know, it saves not only resources, but your own resources, the money in your own pocket. So a lot of it, if you look at it on your own finances, you can make these changes and it's, it benefits not only you, but also things around you. And I guess I like to shop a lot at the farmer's market downtown in the summer. I wish they had more opportunities to do that year-round. We've got a great local food co-op down the street here, and it, you know, that gives people access to some of these fruits and vegetables and things that are more locally produced and probably have less environmental impact and are healthier for folks. I guess what I've done to try and change in my own life is just cutting back a little bit and maybe being aware that if these instant gratifications aren't really going to help me or anybody else out, I'm just trying to be a little bit more mindful of what I do. What about you, Caleb? How's this worked for you? I guess in response to how I've changed spiritually over my time at UW-Eau Claire, I would say my coursework has really led me to find faith in the supernatural based on the natural. And I would describe that as some of the wonders that just take place in everyday life, DNA replication, disease resistance, hydrogeologic cycles, just miracles of the natural world on such a microscopic scale with how patterned atoms are, how minute molecules can be arranged in such complex ways to create such enormous macroscopic beings and just the dynamics of how nature works and the ebb and flow and there's just so much undeniable mystery in science that although we've been able to observe it and prove it and find fact in it, it's still, to me, just miraculous and how life has found a way on a rock, you know, floating in space and could potentially have on a few other rocks somewhere that we, you know, we don't know about what's out there completely in the universe. And so the earth itself has been given the opportunity to have life and that humans have been given the opportunity to be self-conscious or aware of their ability to affect those creating properties that have essentially led to life and it's just it's just amazing how science has opened up my mind to a lot of miracles that can't really be explained other than faith in the force of life and you know however people describe that force of life uh, be it a singular being or as a force or something like that i would say i feel it more and more with my increased knowledge in the many ways that it affects my life. And that's the way I've come to change, is thinking more about the connections my life has with 
my surroundings and things like that and the reliance that I have on my surroundings and um, whether it be my loved ones or my local resources that I have and, you know, the clean water that we have here in Eau Claire and the great soil and blue skies. And, I mean, living in this part of the country is a real blessing. I was raised Catholic, and one of the first things I remember learning in terms of the religious education there is Ten Commandments, right? You know, you don't kill people, you don't lie, you don't steal, that kind of thing, whatever it is. I think as our world evolves and becomes more complex, people have filled up more of the area that perhaps we need additional rules to be guiding us from the background. Can either of you think of perhaps a commandment we could add to the Ten Commandments that would be in tune with what you've learned through the ENPH, through this environmental public health study that you've done. You got an idea, Pat? Yeah, I would say maybe we could add the old idea of there is no free lunch. If, if people would realize that everything comes at a cost and trying to figure out what that cost may be might lead to you know, a little bit more compassion, a little bit more mindful decision-making. I guess um, I wouldn't add one as, as much as change Possibly, thou shalt honor uh, thy mother and father too. Thou shalt honor thy mother and father as well as thine offspring. Because I think that's something we've forgotten is that there's generations to come. Pat talked about uh, the concept of instant gratification. And that's the way society lives these days is the here and the now. At one time, they had that mindset that they needed to plan for generations to come. I need to be ready for retirement in 20 years as opposed to I need to retire right now. And the planning for the future is, I think, something that's been lost in our instant gratification society. And I know a lot of Native American cultures had in planning for seven generations down the line and planning their actions to correspond with how it was going to affect their offspring and their offspring's offspring. And uh, maybe we need to take into consideration more the people who are going to be here after us, as well as giving honor to the people who have been here before us. So I think that would maybe be a good addition to the commandments. If you're willing to speak about it, where did you come from religiously, and has your study, has your learning changed your relationship to your religious or spiritual upbringing? I grew up as a Catholic in Hudson. I, I went to um, St. Patrick's Church in Hudson through high school and sort of fell away from the church as a freshman in high school, which led me to not be confirmed through the church. And so although I was raised a Catholic, I guess I, I've never been confirmed as a Catholic, and I really don't attend a Catholic church. I would say I found faith in nature, as I've said before now, and so I guess church for me is maybe um, you know a couple hours hiking around in the woods and really giving gratitude in your own way to whatever provider is responsible for those privileges you get to see on a daily basis. Pat, how about for you? I was also raised Catholic. Right now, I don't I don't go to church every Sunday in conventional style church. I guess that doesn't mean though that I don't feel spirituality or or any kind of greater sense of purpose or the you know the idea that there is a, a higher power. But currently, I guess more of my spiritual growth has been through self-reflection and reflecting on the actions of myself and others and trying to search for more understanding in those things. And, you know, I don't confine myself, I guess, to one religion right now. And, you know, I'm not saying that I pick and choose from each, but I think it's important to try and look at all the different religions and beliefs of the world and try and take something positive from each of them. And maybe instead of 
you know, identifying differences in these religions. Maybe there's things that we can understand that are, are common between the two and maybe pull those together to gain even a better understanding of what's going on. Well, where the world has taken you is to major in the CNPH program here at the University of Wisconsin Eau Claire. It's constantly involving program. It's been there for 40 years. Where should it go? Is it a valuable part of this university? Is it a valuable part of the American landscape? Does it need to grow, shrink, modify? You've been sitting in the tables and the chairs there watching it. Do you have any input as to where it should move from here? I think the only way it could go is forwards. It's a great program, and I think it's only going to grow it's a broad field, and it's a program that's very important, I think, in sustaining life and trying to get some of the ideas out there that we've been talking about. I hope it continues to grow and expand in the future. Pat, do you think it specifically fits in a liberal arts education as opposed to, say, technical college? Could you do this at a technical college? Would that be sufficient? Or is it somehow appropriate in this growing ground of the liberal arts? I think there's aspects of it that probably could come from a technical school as far as, you know, some of the some of the lab sciences and, and those kind of technical fields. But in order to, I think, gain even more from it, it has to be in a, in a liberal education setting or four-year school where you have that exposure to many different fields and you can pull together more ideas. So I, I think that the advantage of having it in a, in a four-year school or a liberal arts school is that you get that exposure to different fields and you can therefore paint a better picture for yourself about what's important and what's going on. I think the nature of the program here at Eau Claire is it's a comprehensive major, and so focusing it so finely um, as to fit it into the guidelines of a technical college or vocational styling university just seems unreasonable with the nature of the learning that goes on. It's a very diverse grouping of classes that we have to take, and the job itself, it's a very diverse job, and without having taken some of those economic courses and uh, communications and social science courses and understanding things outside of just how to test water quality and things like that. My learning of those has really enhanced my ability to interact with operators at different facilities and creatively and critically think for the greatest outcome um, that I'm trying to achieve rather than a A to B, B to C mind track that maybe is found more often at a vocational university. And I think Eau Claire has an opportunity, pretty unique opportunity, is this is one of only 28, I believe, programs in the nation that offers this kind of degree. I think it's something that they have an opportunity to take a lot of pride in and promote the fact that we have this professional, critically thinking degree. It does sound like a great program. I'm really honored that you came here, spend your time with me here today. And I want to say, go forth and make a real difference in the world. It looks like you're poised to do that, and I can't help but think the world will be better for it. Thanks both Pat and Caleb. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Mark. We've been speaking today with three people involved with the ENPH, Environmental Public Health, program at UWEC. Those were Patrick Lecker and Caleb Johnson, preceded by the director of the ENPH program, Crispin Pierce. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. This Spirit in Action program is an effort of Northern Spirit Radio. You can listen to our programs and find links and information about us and our guests on our website, northernspiritradio.org. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Mark Helpsmeet, and I welcome your comments and stories of those leading lives of spiritual fruit. May you find deep roots to support you and grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. Mm-hmm.
with every voice.